Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Today we're going to be finishing Acts chapter 19 on our teaching on revival and the subject of revival. But today we're going to talk about what is the natural laws around us for mayors, governors, those types of things. They're going to be able to stop a riot that Paul and his spirituality couldn't stop. Maybe you'll have more appreciation for it today. Join me in the Word of God. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. So glad you're here. And we've been uh, quite a while, eight lessons so far just on the anatomy of revival. And we probably have two or three more to go. But uh, in this particular session we're going to be having today, we're going to be taking this down from the ending of the revival as it was to the transition to local churches and uh, also the riot that broke out. Uh, often, pe often people think, you know, that, uh, again, the great things that uh, revival brings into a city and uh, great peace and great things like that. But listen, there's always an opposition of Satan. And no matter how good this revival got, no matter how many people were affected by it, no matter how much transition happened in the city of Ephesus, well, Paul realizes this, they're getting toward the end of it. There's a riot that breaks out. And of course, Paul being a peace man of peace himself is gonna to try to stop this himself and his own men and own people around him say, don't do this because what happens with a mob in the streets is it turns into a frenzy and then all of a sudden, I mean, innocent people get hurt or even killed. So they were afraid Paul might get killed. They're afraid that some of his men might get killed. In fact, they were very close to doing this, the frenzy of the mob. I think it's interesting. Let's bring up some things about mobs. We see so much of it today under the name of a free and lawful protest, but yet so often it turns into uh, riots. It turns into breaking, looting, all this kind of stuff. And it seemed like the, the law turns their attention away from that when really it's all right to protest. I mean, throughout the word of God, throughout history, there've been times when people have stood on corners and protested, but not to break the law and not to injure people's lives. That's never what it's for. And uh, the word of God, it strongly brings that out in this chapter. Because Demetrius, the silversmith who headed up this entire union in the city, has drawn this multitude together. He's standing outside of this, probably in a window somewhere up on a building, looking down on what's going on. And this uh, mob has actually become his weapon in the streets. And the mob is just, they don't even know why they're there. In fact, it said in one of the verses before this that uh, even the people didn't know why they were there. This is so true. And they begin, one shouted out this and one shouted out that. And probably they're looking at each other and saying, why are we even here? I don't know. Just keep yelling. And as we have today, many were probably even paid to be there, uh, to be part of this mob. I was in uh, Russia one time and the pastor was telling me there was a riot going on down the street at a protest that started it and said the protesters aren't even Russians. They're brought in from other places and paid to stand there with signs and look like this thing is very big, but it's really not that large. So again, we come now to verse 33 and the multitudes of people have been rushing and they've now drawn out two of Paul's best friends that have worked with him in the city and this, they're close to going to be able to kill them. They've come to the amphitheater right now and Alexander is the one that will stop uh, stop this for momentarily in verse 33. So let's go to verse 33. Uh, this is chapter 19, verse 33 of Acts. While you're finding that, let me again just say thank you for those of you joining us today for the first time, for those of you that have been joining us for some time, for those of you that have been, you know, listeners for many years. Thank you so much for becoming a part of this broadcast, becoming a part of this ministry, to not only watch and to learn from the Word of God. That's the ultimate purpose of this, to learn from the Word of God. But anyone who does learn, I just simply ask you, 
you, why don't you support me so we can get this out to others? Somebody paid for you to hear. Somebody paid for this broadcast so that you could, again, understand what's going on and be blessed by it. But now it's your responsibility also now to start giving into a ministry that blesses you so we can bless others. And again, I'm not asking you to give into every ministry and I'm not asking you necessarily to give into this one simply because I'm asking you to. I want there to be a heart connection, first of all. You love what you hear. You agree with what you hear. And you and you think, well, this is a, a great way of teaching. Well, again, that's what God has gifted me with, but I'm not everybody's cup of tea. And I'm not asking for everybody to contribute to this ministry, but those who really love this ministry to do so. And so if you would, become a partner with me. Just go to my website, bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there where you can become a partner with me. And thank you for helping and again, lifting up my hands and becoming a part of this because I can't do it by myself. I need God's power first and your power next of all. Thank you. Verse 33 says this, and uh, here uh, the uh, uh, those that were trying to squell this thing and to stop this thing, it says in verse 33, uh, those that were especially Paul's uh, men standing around him, they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews pushing him forward, and Alexander beckoned with his hands and would have made his defense to the people. Now, religion is always afraid of mobs, but will use them if necessary. But Alexander is an excellent lawyer. The Jews hope that he can stop the mob. The Jews necessarily don't like Paul, but right now they'll use anything to stop Paul, even a mob of which they hate. But the mob has gotten so out of control with such a frenzy, they put this Alexander in front of them. And right now they understand this, is that Alexander is an excellent lawyer, but he's a Jew and the crowd doesn't know it yet. And the anger has turned into really a racial thing. And that is the Ephesians against the Jews because Paul is a Jew and they think he's teaching Jewish religion, which he's not. He's teaching New Testament gospel and New Testament truths. So the Jews hoped that he could steal the mob, but he failed when the crowd recognized he was a Jew. He used to be a coppersmith and a brilliantly evil man. Paul warned Timothy about him in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14, but Alexander tried to quiet the people with his hands, but the people cried louder and longer when they discovered he was a Jew. So when, verse 34, when they knew that he was a Jew, all with one voice about the space of two hours cried out, great is Diana of the Ephesians. Two hours. National pride right now is so high and their goddess Diana is in question that a Jew who was there, to they did not want to hear him. And the mob will often shout, use noise to cover the real issue. And that's what's going on right now. In fact, they don't even know what the real issue is. They're just shouting out. And they think that really all that Paul is doing is trying to stop the worship of Diana, which he never preached against Diana. He preached for Jesus Christ and did not preach against Diana. He never even mentioned him. And even the town counselor is going to mention that in just a moment. And so basically they just shout for two hours and the town clerk stands there, who's the mayor, just stood there and finally waited for them to get so tired after two hours, they not only were probably tired, they were hoarse. And by the time it was all over, nobody could say anything. And now the mayor gets to speak up in verse 35. And when the town clerk, who is the mayor, had silenced the people, he said, you men of Ephesus, what man is there who does not know that this city of the Ephesians is a worshiper of the great goddess Diana and of the image which fell down from Jupiter? We're going to find out this town clerk was a believer, but he also understands the law. 
And he's simply saying, you're coming against this Paul who's never spoken against Diana, but listen to this. Everybody knows Diana is great. Everybody knows Ephesus is great. And here you are trying to defend something that's bigger than you are. Why don't you just sit back? And here's the point. If this Paul has come here trying to run down Diana, if Diana's so great, she's going to win. This worship is going to win. This religion is going to win. And this man's going to have to go away. In other words, he's a momentary block in the road. He's been here for three years in this revival and spread throughout the city. But if Diana is so great, why don't you just trust in your religion? It's going to come through and doesn't need your help. They don't need all the shouting and yelling. She doesn't necessarily need your support. And all the people are going, oh, okay. He's simply saying, what you're doing isn't necessary, but also what you're doing is illegal because there's lives being threatened right now. And this thing is about to break out. And probably at that time, much like we see today, there's rioting, there's looting, there's breaking of windows, there's stealing of things going on because people use mobs as a means of getting something for themselves. They often stand there in the great cause of something, but all the time they're just there for themselves. So the town mayor will use the issue of the law to disperse the mob. This man is the highest in office at Ephesus, knows Roman law very well and uses it. The reason why is they are a Roman province. They are under Roman control and all the freedoms they have have come from Rome. And so he waits for the people to shout themselves hoarse. And then he finally speaks and now he appeals to their ego in three ways. He calls them noblemen. The Greek word is honor. Usually the word for man is a different word than this. And uh, so in this case, now he uses a word for noblemen and he calls them noblemen and they have to stop and think for just a minute. Well, maybe we are noblemen. Yes, we are. And then he reminds them of Ephesus' worldwide reputation for the worship of Diana. In other words, this isn't just something that's local here. You're defending something here and you're defending it in the city of Ephesus, yet this is known throughout the entire world. And what are you going to do next? You're going to go out and try to get the entire world, which already knows that she's great. So here you are yelling and screaming over something that if you'll just shut up, Diana's worship and Diana's fame and this religion, which is known worldwide, is going to come back to what it was before. Now he, this man, is a believer and knows the power of Jesus Christ, but he's not referring to that. He's not standing up for Jesus Christ or against Jesus Christ. He's standing up for the law and he's standing up in the fact that the Ephesians, even though they are carnal, even though they are heathen, he knows they are. It's still the fact that this is a settled issue throughout the world of the worship of Diana. So in verse 36, he now says, seeing then that these things cannot be spoken against. This can't be, con- what I'm telling you cannot be contradicted. You should be quiet and do nothing rationally. He even told him the statue that was given to them as a gift came from the chief God, Jupiter. And if Jupiter did all this, are you guys stronger than him? On top of that, can't Jupiter defend himself? Why does he need you? He reminds them that they're well aware of these facts. If the facts he's presenting is true, then Paul can't change it. So it comes back to this. Why are you griping against one man as if this one man can change it? What happened was they're not talking about the giantness of the crowds. They know that. They're trying to find one culprit to blame it on, and they're blaming it on Paul. He said, man, you're making this Paul out to be bigger than he is. So this type of action is unnecessary. And listen, guys, it's below your dignity. You shouldn't be doing this. For you have brought here these men 
who are neither robbers of churches nor yet blasphemers of your goddess. In other words, they don't rob churches. Here means banks because banks were located in churches. The reason why was people had a reverential fear and even had a religious fear. And therefore they wouldn't break into a church and to rob a bank. So they put the banks inside the churches. He said, they are neither robbers of churches. We could say bank robbers, nor yet blasphemers of your goddess. They have not said one thing against Diana of the Ephesians. They've been preaching this ministry and other religions have been free to come here and preach their their gospels. But you're mad at this one because it's seemingly successful. I'm simply telling you this success of three years cannot stand up to the years that Diana has had her religion. So again, we have here, Paul and his team never ran down the false religion or the evils of Ephesus. Paul preached Jesus Christ, and then the people changed their own minds about Diana Paul and his team have broken no law. Most ministers today often run down other religions. There's times when you'll mention religions and I'll mention them, but I'm not gonna run them down. Here's the point. If there was nothing to run down, there would be no message often with people. Paul didn't need to run down Ephesus. He didn't need to run down Diana. He had a strong message and believed it. He just preached in what he had. And what he's simply saying is, I'm preaching the truth, period. And if the truth you recognize it, then fine, you'll turn from false things. I don't have to spend my time coming against false religions. And so in other words, what he's simply saying was, Paul's preaching his message to people who don't know the word and they believe the word and therefore they have changed. But still comes back to this, you're not gonna stop it all by yourself. When we come back from the break, we'll take up right from here. I'll see you right after the break. At the dawn of the church age, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and power to his followers. From Pentecost, they were led by His Spirit to blaze a trail through the hazardous maze of pagan cultures and religious legalism. Like wildfire, the gospel spread through the known world, bringing salvation to a whole generation and triumph and trial to the church. In a New Testament commentary on Acts, Bob Yannian explores the exploits of those sent to uproot the binding vines of religion and philosophy and to sow the kingdom of God. Through evaluations of early congregations and detailed descriptions of their cities, Pastor Bob walks us through the exciting, perilous adventure of the early church. Order a New Testament commentary on Acts at bobyendian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website 
at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. The protesters in the street have now turned into a mob, and we've been talking about the mayor is now addressing them and simply addressed them this way. He says, you noble men, Aner is the word that is used. Anthropos is another word for man, but it talks about mankind. But when the word Greek word aner is used, it talks about a, an individual man as a noble man. He said, you're noble people. You have a noble religion that's known worldwide. Although this mayor had accepted Jesus as his savior, he wasn't using Christianity as a means of coming against them. He simply came back to the law. Understand this. Oftentimes we as believers are angry at law, uh, law uh, those that represent the law, things like that, and simply because of their beliefs, and that's true. And we should be against beliefs that are wrong against the word of God, but never take it out on the individual person. And uh, again, they are there. And even God says that even though whether you agree with them or not or like them or not, they stand in a position that God has created. This, law, uh, this lawyer was there, and he, again, he might have been misusing his attorney's privileges, but attorneys are part of the word of God, and even God ordained that there be uh, attorneys. On the other hand, we have this mayor and his position is of God, even though he may not be a believer, but he is. In this case, your mayor may not be a believer. You may not like the things that he represents and things like that. Don't take it out on him. Pray for him. We're told in the book of Timothy to pray for kings and leaders and all that have authority over us for two things. Number one, that they may be saved. And number two, come to the full knowledge of the truth. So pray for them instead of getting angry at them and wishing them out of office or even cursing them to die. You shouldn't do that. What you should be doing is praying for them and then have respect for the position they are in. And in verse 37, here's what the mayor finally said to them in coming to the end of it. Verse 37, you have brought these men here who are neither robbers of churches. They are not thieves. They don't break into banks. And he says, and nor yet blasphemers of your goddess. So again, the banks were in the temple. This is told us in John chapter eight and verse 20 that the banks were in the temples were known throughout the world to do that because the people had such great reverence for the temples and the churches. Paul and his team never ran down the false religions and evils of Ephesus, even though there was tons of them. Paul preached Jesus Christ and the people changed their own minds about Diana. Paul and his team have broken no law most ministers today, like I said, they often run down other religions, and this is not the thing that we should be doing, okay? It's all right to mention the falsenesses in religions, but again, to run them down, no, or the ministers, no, we should be praying for them. Because even Paul came out of a strong religious Jewish background, and he was an unbeliever, yet look what happened. A man that killed thousands and thousands and thousands of Christians now accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And many of those ministers who had probably publicly ran him down in church and talked bad about him. We're now having to eat crow later on because why? Somebody was praying for Paul and Paul wasn't just born again because people prayed for him, but Paul literally met Jesus Christ almost face to face on the road to Damascus. And so oftentimes with these ministers, if there's nothing to run down, they have no message because they don't know much of the word of God. All Paul preached was the word of God and the power of God to save, to heal, to deliver, to cast out devils. All these things was what he preached. And yet again, we find out here, even this man said, this mayor said they were not blasphemers of your goddess. Verse 38, wherefore, if Demetrius and the craftsmen who are with him have a matter against any man, the law is open. The courts are open. You guys are handling this the wrong way. This is not the right way to handle a legal situation in the streets, rioting, and uh, again, turning into a, a mindless mob. He says again, and he goes on to say, for there are judges. There, there's a court system mean to upheld this. And honestly, this court system was set in by Rome. He says, let them argue their case with each other in front of a 
judge in a court. It doesn't belong here. He's not saying it's not right to stand in the streets and let your matter be known to the public, but you cannot start breaking the law. You cannot turn into a mob. And in verse 39, he says, but if you ask anything about any other matter, it will be determined in a lawful assembly. What's he saying? If you have any charges against Paul, that you haven't even brought up yet, and his men bring it before a lawful assembly. If they have broken the law, it doesn't start here. It starts in the courts. And you're about to take the law into your own hands, and then you're going to be the criminals, not them. Verse 40, he says here, for we are in danger to be called in question for this day's uproar, there being no cause whereby we may give an account of this disorderly gathering. In other words, what he's saying was Rome will call us out and then pull our city rights and will have no legal leg to stand on simply because you guys want to gripe and yell in the streets. You're about to remove something greater. And that's the freedoms we have, which have been provided by Rome. And in verse 41, it says, and when he had finished speaking, he dismissed the assembly. Everybody goes back home. Notice what settled it down. It took somebody who understood the law. So God has ordained that we get good people into positions of law. God has ordained that we have good uh, mayors, good governors, good presence of our country. We vote the best way we can, but understand this, we will have no one perfect until Jesus Christ comes back to rule and reign over this planet. When he does and comes back when the uh, when the millennium begins at the end of the tribulation, when he comes back to establish his kingdom on this earth, he personally will get rid of Satan, all demons, all religion, all unbelievers. The curse that's on this earth will be removed. And again, on that day, Jesus Christ the kingdoms of this world, which have been the kingdoms of this world since the time that Adam fell. So for over 6,000 years, Satan's had control of the kingdoms of this world. Why? Because Adam turned them over to him. Adam had been given that responsibility. Adam freely and Eve freely gave it to uh, to, uh, Satan. And now Satan has had it for 6,000 years. But on that day when Jesus comes, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and then of his Christ, and he, our Christ, will rule forever and forever. The curse will be removed off the earth, and here's the good news about it. Jesus will rule forever. There'll be no elections every four years. There'll be no Democrats, no Republicans, no Congress, no Senate. Uh, We will not have to elect Jesus Christ. The point of it is he'll be put in there by God himself. That's the beauty of it, and then he'll reign forever and forever. So that's the thing that we have facing coming this earth one day, but until that time, we have natural men occupying positions that God God has created, but yet the position is right, but sometimes the people in it are wrong, but we simply come back to it later on. Somebody else will be in there and we can have somebody better. We might have somebody worse, but the point of it is our coming redeemer, Jesus Christ, will handle the entire world one day. In the meantime, we are to honor those who have authority over us in that area. Now, I love what happened in Acts chapter four. They never came against the leadership. The church leaders brought in a Peter and John were brought in and then told never to preach again the name of Jesus, but they never treated them back in disrespect. They just simply said, sirs, whether to obey you or to obey God, we are going to obey God. What they simply said was, if you were working in line, such as on adultery or anything like that, or murder or something like that, and you're in line with the word, then we would gladly do what you say. But since you've set yourself in opposition to what the word says, we are going to kindly, reverently, we are going to, with honor toward you, say no to you and say yes to God. So again, that's how it has to come today is when our government contradicts the word of God, we have to submissively say no.
We have to treat them as far as respect is concerned, but still say no and go with the word of God. You say, well, what if they come and kill us? Well, then they're gonna come and kill us. The point of it is we'll be a martyr, but we'll end up going to heaven. The beauty of it is, is all this is just temporary. One day, Jesus Christ will rule forever and forever. Now, by the time we come to this, Paul at this time will be leaving the city. Paul so wanted to stand up and Paul so wanted to defend his friends who were even being taken out of homes and brought into the amphitheater and probably going to be killed. And it wasn't until this mayor stood up and talked in front of everybody that he quelled this whole thing and telling them what could possibly happen with Rome and their rights and privileges. But again, Paul wanted to come in, but his friends told him not to. Even those that were in the city council who had believed in Jesus during this three-year revival were talking to Paul saying, don't do it. This is a matter for the law, not a matter for you as a minister. You do what you're supposed to do. You're ministers of the gospel. We are ministers of the law. And so again, this is what caused it to finally settle down. And then Paul leaves. Paul leaves the city at this time. Again, this is the transition between chapter 19 and chapter 20 of the book of Acts. Paul is now going to leave after three years. But what we're going to find out in Acts chapter 20 is Although he's walking away and probably some of the Christians are going, oh, Paul, Paul, we need you, we need you. What happened was during those three years, and it was not told us in chapter 19, but will be told in chapter 20, for this entire three years, this revival has been going on. Paul has been training people and raising up churches in the city. And so after Paul leaves, what he did as one man has done coming to that city is now gonna be turned over to hundreds of pastors, thousands of people attending the churches. And now what he did, laying hands on the sick, casting out devils, that will be done by them. Him bringing them the gospel, now they will do that. That, him bringing the word of God to the people. Now they will do that. All this was Paul as an apostle coming in and laying the foundation that caused this great revival, but now leaving because the foundation has been turned over to the people. Again, I have said it. Let me emphasize it again. The end result of revival is not more revival. You cannot live in a perpetual state of revival. Look what happened even during revival right here. Riots broke out in the street. What you need to do is during that time of revival, start raising up churches so that once you're gone, that what one man has done or two or three people have done coming to a city can now be turned over to the thousands of people that live there. And what we do is what we often have done in, in places around the world is some man comes from the United States or from Great Britain or from Canada, someplace like that, and goes and brings the gospel to a nation, but after a while has to leave. But while he is there, he trains and raises up native people who live there to turn it over to them. Because listen, they might come against me because I'm an American. They might come against somebody else because they're European. But the point of it is, after a while, if you're just there for a temporary time and raise up the people, now you have the indigenous people teaching and training the people that are there. And what happened is you simply infiltrated the gospel in something that has no nationality, has no correspondence with one particular nation. It comes from Jesus Christ and salvation and the word of God and churches are for every person, every kindred, every tribe, every tongue of person. So Paul's now gonna leave, but guess what remains behind? Thousands and thousands and thousands of saved believers thousands and thousands of church attenders, hundreds of pastors across the city. And halfway through Acts chapter 20, Paul's going to travel during the first part of this to churches that he has been not been able to go to. And then also during the first half, he's also going to take a vacation with his disciples of which he has not had one for three years. And all this in chapter 20, by the time he finally comes back uh, outside of Ephesus and has a uh, 
and has a meeting with the pastors, he's, it'll be the, pace, the space of one year. He will be gone for one year, and then at the end of one year, he will come and again, talk to the pastors and have the first recorded pastor's conference in the Word of God. That's about to come up in chapter 20. So the beauty of this is, is listen, we have people saying we need revival, we need revival. Yes, we do, but we need strong churches. And the great result of revivals throughout the United States and even the world is after those revivals are over, some of the lasted, you know, four years, five years, some 10 years and 15 years. The point of it is after it's over, we have many churches occupying the country that are now teaching the same things they learned in the revival about the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the new birth, the power of walking in God's word and the power of witnessing, taking it to the world. Thanks today. I'll see you tomorrow and we'll continue on into Acts chapter 20. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.